In Southeast Agnet's Ag and Review for the week ending January 20th, well, it was announced this week that President Donald Trump picked former Georgia Governor Sonny Perdue to be his agriculture secretary. Perdue, who was part of Trump's ag advisory team as a veterinarian and, of course, was governor of Georgia from 2003 to 2011. Prior to that, he served in the Georgia Senate for 10 years. And in an interview with Purdue just four years ago, he told us about how his life experiences have helped him with his career. Obviously, being governor for eight years was a great thrill. It broadened my perspective to a great degree. I've gone back into the ag business, and uh, we have experience from that perspective. And uh, each one has a responsibility to speak from their own experiences and perspective and bring their life skills and the things they've learned to that point. Purdue grew up on a row crop farm in central Georgia and has owned agricultural businesses, thus is very familiar with the industry. Agriculture is not one thing. It's not necessarily production. It's processing. It's that real whole food chain that many people are discovering now from farm to table. And the good thing about farming and the economy, farmers are great for the economy because they will ripple that money all the way through the economy. They're going to buy stuff. American Farm Bureau Federation President Zippy Duval strongly endorsed the nomination of Purdue, saying Purdue will provide a strong voice at agriculture needs. Sonny Purdue and I became friends when he was governor. I was president of the Georgia Farm Bureau. He told me, uh, and he told our farmers, you don't have to come in the back door anymore. You come in our front door. He was very good with Georgia when it comes to trade. I've been on trade treaties with him, so he was good about bringing industry to Georgia. And he was always good about promoting agricultural products. He was a good uh, administrator. And I can talk about Sonny because I had a personal relationship with him. So now it's up to the Senate to confirm Purdue as the 31st Secretary of Agriculture. Well, the Environmental Protection Agency's Waters of the United States or WOTUS rule has been back in the news lately. As with the new administration taking over, some are looking forward to hopefully seeing a possible withdrawal of it. But legal action against the rule continues, and National Cattlemen's Beef Association Environmental Counsel Scott Yeager has an update on where that currently stands. We are on two different levels of the court. So we have the meat of the case, or the merits briefing, is taking place in the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals, which is based in Cincinnati, Ohio. And... Uh, We actually fundamentally disagree with the case starting at that level. Uh, Our position is that it should start at the district court level, and that's just reading the language of the Clean Water Act, which dictates where these type of cases start. And WOTUS starts at the district court level. We've also asked the Supreme Court to look at that issue of which court it starts in. And the big news here is is that the Supreme Court granted our cert petition to hear that issue. That's big news. It's great news for, for cattle producers and any landowners across the country because it shows that the Supreme Court is, is interested in WOTUS, and they're going to hear our case this spring. They're going to determine where our case starts at, so we're going to continue fighting this battle. But he knows this is an issue the new administration has said they plan to deal with. That's some good news, is that the Trump administration has stated that WOTUS is a priority for their administration. It's on their transition website. So we're going to be working very closely with the new political leadership at EPA to show them, you know what, this rule failed and to hopefully um, influence the agency to reconsider the WOTUS rule. And then how we would hope that plays out is that the EPA reconsiders it, ultimately withdraws it, and starts fresh with all stakeholders at the table from the outset of the rule. Yeager said their efforts also include talking with legislators on Capitol Hill and showing them why the WOTUS rule is flawed and needs to be withdrawn. Various lawmakers from across the southeast have been chosen to serve on both the House and Senate Ag Committees. Tyron Spearman has a look at as to who all is on that list. 
The House Agricultural Committee and the Senate Agricultural Committee are now being chosen for their some members on the Ag Committee in Washington. Mike Conaway, Republican from Texas, will head up the House. He announced this week that their committee is getting organized. From the southeast, we have Mike Rogers of Alabama on that committee, Austin Scott of Georgia, Ted Yoho of Florida, Rick Allen of Georgia, and Neil Dunn of Florida. Those are the main ones on that southeast area. Those are the Republicans. The Democrats on there are three, David Scott of Georgia, Al Lawson of Florida, and Darren Soto of Florida. Those are the three on the House Ag Committee. Austin Scott of Georgia will head the subcommittee on commodities, exchange, energy, and credit. On the Senate side, Pat Rogers of Kansas will be the chairman of that committee, and there's very few Southeastern members on that Ag Committee. The Republicans that are on the Ag Committee are just... David Perdue of Georgia, and Jeff Sessions of Alabama. But that position will probably be approved and moved to the U.S. Attorney General, and that slot will be open. John Boozman of Arkansas is also on that committee, so not a lot of support for program crops, it appears, when we get to the Senate Ag Committee. But overall, they are getting ready to start to work on the farm bill. Some hearings are planned this coming year, and from the southeast, we have five on that Senate Ag Committee, and that's about all. I'm Tyron Spearman for Southeast Agnet. Kathy Isom has interesting information about how the USDA has helped to farm in the nation's capital. Farms seem to be cropping up in some strange places these days, including down in the basement of the Pub and People restaurant located at a busy corner in Washington, D.C. Our microgreen farm, we grow about 30 varieties of microgreens here in this location. Mary Ackley, founder of Little Wild Things City Farm, a farm with a tiny little room under the pub and a quarter acre of land nearby, a farm she started by herself three years ago. The USDA microloan was a huge part of that. USDA microloans are small loans with streamlined paperwork, which valid Rosini, outgoing Farm Service Agency Administrator, says are designed to be helping small or startup operations. And to bringing new people into our offices, women, returning veterans, farmers of color, others that have been traditionally underserved by USDA programs. I'm Kathy Isom, Southeast Agnet. And to wrap up this week's podcast, Everett Griner talks about strawberries being labor-intensive and different to grow. Strawberries, consistently rated as America's favorite fruit. Chances are better than even that the last strawberries you enjoyed probably came from California. You're not surprised? Well, you shouldn't be. California is our number one agriculture state, and strawberries are their third largest crop. California growers plant over 36,000 acres of that crop every year. Unfortunately, the crop has to be planted and harvested by hand. You know how many people that requires? Growers estimate, say, 45,000. There are two crops a year, one in the spring, which is harvested in the fall, and one planted in the fall, which is ready to pick in the spring. It's one of the most labor-intense crops planted anywhere. By the way, Florida is our number two strawberry-growing state. The only difference in the two crops is the distance in between. And that's Ag Review for today. Everett Griner, Southeast Agnet. Those reports and more from this past week can be found on our website, southeastagnet.com. Randall Wiseman, Southeast Agnet.